sermon podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Grab your Bibles, if you would, this morning. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. And if you were here last week, we uh, had an installment in our series on friendship and community, and the installment was about truth-telling. And we began talking about how in order for us to be truth-tellers to one another, we talked about why that's so critical, right? To be people of truth, because all relationships are built upon the foundation of trust, and you cannot have trust without truth. You cannot have trust if there's duplicity or deception. You can't have trust in your relationship if if people are just flat, let's be honest, just flat out lying to you, right? You can't have trust in those relationships. So trust is built on truth. But last week we talked foremost that um, truthfulness with one another is the overflow of truthfulness with ourselves before God. Like learning how to become people who live in the light of truth with God first and foremost. So that truth really becomes the way that we live. It's not with some situations I'll be truthful, with some situations I'll tell half-truths, in some scenarios I'll just, I'll just you know, tuck and hide things over into the corner. Like the, the spirit behind all of this is that we become people who live in the light of Christ. And in so doing, Every relationship in our life will be governed and guided by the truth of God. So we're going we're gonna to take this another step today. Can you pray with me? Yes. Father, today we pray for just the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We pray that your, your spirit, who is the spirit of truth, would give great grace to me and to every single one of us. God, that you would open up our hearts and you would open up our eyes, you would open our ears, you would open our minds. Father, that you would, again, we ask that you would search us and examine us and see if there be an offensive or hurtful way in us. We ask, O God, that where we are partnering with darkness or deception or in any way, in any form, God, that you would lovingly and graciously guide us into light and to truth. Father, even doctrinally, Lord, where um, our beliefs, our beliefs in your word might, might not be fully operating on on the truth of who you are, God, we ask that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. And Father, today we pray for our relationships, our friendships, our relationships with family members, our relationships, Father, with even extended family members, spouses, children, parents, Lord, those that we work with, our co-workers, directors, supervisors, employers, our neighbors, Our friends, Father, we pray right now for your great grace to be upon all of our relationships. And God, that you would give us wisdom. Lord, there's so many tricky landmines here as it relates to speaking the truth one to another. And and Father, so much of this requires the ministry of your spirit. And we ask today that you would give us discernment and that you would give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, let's dive in. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 27. And uh, we'll begin in verse 6, Proverbs chapter 27. Brittany, thank you so much for your ministry on the screens and helping us track with the word. Proverbs 27, 6, I'm reading out of the New American Standard in this particular verse. It says, faithful are the wounds 
of a friend. We're just going to stop right there for a minute. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The NIV says it like this. The NIV says the wounds of a friend can be trusted. There's that word trust again. And last week, we made a little allusion to this. We said, listen, if you're not a truth teller, if you're not living in truth in your life, when it comes down to a situation where you actually have to share truth with someone else, it just won't be trusted. It will be absolutely discounted because they've seen the pattern of duplicity and deception and half, half truths in your life. So, so as we build credibility in our lives by being people of truth, when it comes to that critical moment or moments when you have to bear truth with someone else, it can be trusted. Now, let's go back here again and look. Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend. There's an implication here that sometimes in friendship, sometimes in friendship, there are going to be interactions that take place that might, that might wound the other person. Now, now, how many of you guys have ever had situations in your life where someone told you the truth and it didn't feel amazing? right? Because, because the truth, the truth hurts. The truth hurts when you're doing something where you're self-destructing or you're self-sabotaging, where you're doing something and, and maybe you're doing it maliciously, maybe you're doing it ignorantly, either way. But when you're doing something that's bringing harm and damage to a relationship and someone comes out of love and grace and kindness and tells you what you're doing, I'm telling you in that moment, there's a confrontation. It's, it's a wound. The truth can, can serve like, like a sword. It can cut. And we're going to talk about that more here in a minute because we can, we can be wild and dangerous and reckless with truth. And in so doing, those, those, those are bad wounds. Those are bad wounds. But I think that there are actually healthy wounds that come from making skillful incisions into the heart and the life of another person. And that's the goal. The goal is that it's a wound that leads to life. So there are wounds that lead to death. You know what I'm talking about? There are wounds that actually crush the spirit of another person. It's like the difference between conviction and condemnation. It's like when you come, you might be bearing the truth with someone, but you're bearing it in such a way that it absolutely crushes their spirit and it gives them no hope to come out of where they're at. All it does is call out something in someone else's life. And probably the best thing that it's done is make you feel better about you, but it leaves them feeling awful without any hope for change. That's not what we're going for. We're going for the kind of truth that we've got to wrestle with ourselves first before we ever bring it to someone else. And in that process, you may find out that you're never supposed to share it at all. You might find out that in the process of of wrestling through and saying, God, is this something that I'm to bear, bear witness and bear truth to my brother and my sister? The Lord may say, yeah, you can share that, but first I need you to take about three months and fast and pray for that person. The Lord might tell you, uh, yeah, you can share that, but first we're going to deal with the, the log in your eye. And that's going to be, you know, a tedious and laborious process where he's, he sends his examining light in your life. And then after that, you might go, ah, you know, I really don't want to share anything anymore. But this is not as cut and dry as we might think. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What does that mean? It means that when someone 
has the courage and the humility to come and bring truth to you, someone who's been trusted in your life, it means that we shouldn't just dismiss that automatically, right? Because while it may hurt, it can be trusted. And those are the kind of friendships that we're, we are praying for and we are looking to build in this house. You know, this weekend, with about 30 guys up the hill, all we did was, was just cast vision for the kind of church that we could be if we were the kind of men who did this one to another in the right way. Like, what kind of, what kind of families and marriages would we have if we had men who are willing to look each other in the eye and say, where are you? Tell me where you're at. Let me know where you're at so that I can get in the yoke and in the trenches of fighting your battles with you. I told this story last night to the men. Jonathan and I know a particular pastor who is ministering in Tulsa and got himself entangled, been married for over a couple of decades, been in ministry for over a couple of decades, and just found himself ensnared with a young woman. He was counseling this gal, their hearts got enmeshed, and without anyone knowing it, he was actually making plans to escape the country. He was on his way to the airport with this young lady without anyone knowing. Somehow, some way, his wife found out and called the two men in his life. Now, thankfully, he had enough relationship and enough accountability and enough investment, mutual investment with other friends that as soon as they found out, they dropped everything. And they raced to the airport, and before he even got there, guess who was there? His friends. His friends who literally stood between him and his exit strategy, got right in his face, pointed their finger in his face and said, you are not gonna throw your life away on our watch. What you're doing is wrong. You're walking in deception. You're better than this. We know you. We're going to fight for you. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. I guarantee you there was nothing inside of this man that wanted to hear that at the time. But listen, there, there was an intervention that happened by the Spirit by two men who had such relational capital in this guy's heart that thankfully he listened, he responded, he broke up that relationship. He got into counseling. He stepped out of ministry. He went through the hard work of repairing and restoring his relationship. And now he's back in ministry and he's thriving by the grace of God. And I look at that and I, so I say, man, that right there is a testimony of God's grace as it was mediated through the wounds of faithful friends. Let's take a look over here at Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. For those of you guys who've been in Antioch for any period of time, you may recall me asking this question. I ask it often. Who have you given permission to say hard things to you? And do they know they have that permission? Like it's one thing if you're rolling around saying, oh yeah, I got to, everybody has permission to say hard things to me but they may not know it. <laughs> and I think very practically, you guys, listen, we, we, gotta, we gotta make this word flesh. I think very practically, you ought to, if, if you have people in your life that you have given permission, you need to let them know they have permission, right? And the time to let them know that they have permission is not when they need to share something hard with you. It's now, when things are, when things are going great. You need, you, need to, you need to create a list 
You need to take inventory. You need to pray it through. You need to have great criteria on who you choose. And then I'm telling you, there's going to be an opportunity for you to strengthen a friendship when you reach out and say, hey, can I take you out to breakfast? Can I have you over for dinner? Can I take you out to coffee? And look him in the eye and say, I want you to know, I believe that you're a trusted friend in my life. Do you know what that will do to your friendships? That will put so much weight. That will be a deposit into your friendships. You look him in the eye and say, man, I want to thank you for the years that you've walked with me. I want to thank you for the life of integrity that you've lived. And I want you to know I trust your voice. And I want you to know I need your voice. And so, man, anytime that you see something, I want you to pray before you come share it. But if you will promise to say hard things to me, I will promise to take those hard things to the Lord and work them out and work them through. It's a mutual relationship. It's a mutual commitment of trust. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 11. Verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Verse 12, To equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Listen to some of this language here. Unity in the faith, growing in understanding who God is, and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Another way of saying this is, God has given certain ministry gifts in the form of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church to serve the church in order that every single one of us can grow up and become mature. Okay? Now, as we keep reading right here, verse 14 says, As a result, we will no longer be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in his deceitful schemes, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Now, we've all heard this verse, but I think it's interesting to see where this verse is located. Now, the entire book of Ephesians is a book that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus about church unity. But here in chapter 4, he really starts getting into brass tacks, and he starts talking about I mean, from from chapter 4, verse 1, all through the entire chapter, he's talking about the unity of the body. You cannot have unity if you have people who are unwilling to speak or receive truth. If you have duplicity and deception and half-truths, or if you're holding back, it will bring division into your greatest relationships. Because relationships cannot thrive where there is not a foundation of trust. Speaking the truth in love. Look at this. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. What does that say to you? It says that one of the ways that God has designed spiritual maturity to work is by truth-telling. Like part of your discipleship process and my discipleship process is actually having people in our lives who will speak truth to us. And it's breaking through the barriers of fear to speak the truth to others. Because let's be honest. One of the reasons why we don't speak truth to each other is because it's scary. How many of you guys have ever spoken a truth to someone and you've lost that friendship? Anybody ever been here in that situation where you took the risk? 
where there was something that you saw, maybe you thought it was a blind spot in their life, there was a red flag, there was something going on in their life, and you're like, man, I, I, I'm so disturbed by this, I'm going to bring it to this person. Maybe they were doing something that was damaging your friendship with them. Maybe, you, maybe there was a warning that you felt like you had to bring to them, and it was absolutely disregarded, and as a result, the relationship was lost. It's a scary thing. And if we're honest, not all of us have been taught how to speak the truth in love. Most of our parents didn't sit down and teach us how to do this. A lot of us have learned by default, and we've learned poor techniques. You know, as I was chewing on this, I thought about two things. I thought, you know, there's, there's, there's two sides of the spectrum here. Number one, there's a group of people that need to be challenged to actually say something. Right? Because the temptation for a certain group of people is, man, I'm just, I'm just not going to say anything at all. Right? For whatever reason. I'm, af- I'm, a, I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid it won't come out the right way. Right? And we, keep, and, and we create these narratives in our, in our mind. We create these narratives that justify us from not saying anything. We preach a lot about forgiveness here in this house. And guys, I think, for, I th- I think the ministry of forgiveness, the understanding, the revelation of forgiveness is critical. But if you're doing forgiveness in your heart towards someone, and there are conversations that need to be had after that forgiveness, I would say if you're not having those conversations, the process is not complete. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you need to forgive and not say anything. Okay? Sometimes you need to forgive and then you need to make a phone call. And I can't tell you when those are. But I think that, I think that if, you're, if you're afraid to have a conversation with someone, even after you've done the hard work of forgiveness, I think that's telling. If you're afraid, I think that's an invitation for you to step into that space and say, God, is this a conversation that, that I need to have? And if so, give me the grace and the courage and the confidence by your spirit to have that difficult conversation, All right? For some of us, it might be, some of us actually want to have conversations without doing forgiveness. And that's the other side of the spectrum. For you, the challenge is not, hey, I'm just sitting on stuff and I'm, you know, I'm not going to say anything at all. For you, it's, we need to actually like teach you how to talk. For you, the challenge is maybe, A, you don't need to say anything at all, or B, maybe we need to work on speaking the truth in love, how we share the truth, how we communicate, why we communicate. All right, let's go back to verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom, I love this, the whole body being fit and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. What does that mean? One of the things it means, this is not the entirety of this, but one of the things it means is this, you guys, is that we have to create an environment where every part of the body is speaking the truth and love to every part of the body. I mean, look at this again. Just going back to 16. The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Like, I've heard this preached, that this is all about ministry gifts. That the every joint supplies is talking about spiritual gifts. I think that could be part of it. 
But the context here is he just said, speaking the truth in love, we will all grow up. So if the only source that we're hearing love is from the stage and not from our spouses, not from other ministry leaders, not from friends, every part of the body is not supplying what the body needs. Are you hearing me this morning? By what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body. Causes the growth of the body. So when you look at Ephesians chapter 4, let me just show you a couple things really quick. Ephesians chapter 4, let's go back to verse 1. We're going to hit verse 1. We're going to hit the end of chapter 4. Then we're going to talk for some real practical things. So here's Paul. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Listen to, this, listen to Paul. Live a life worthy. Live higher. Like, let your behavior and let your interaction reflect what Jesus has done for you to make us one. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humility, gentleness, patience, love. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Every effort, every effort. So here, Paul's beginning chapter 4, and he's saying, guys, listen, unity is a big deal. Unity is a big deal. I'm going through this, this DVD curriculum class about um, the New Testament. And in the last installment I just went through, the question was, in terms of the early church, one of, what was one of the main distinctives of the early church? There were several. But remember, the early church was birthed in a culture of absolute paganism. And the, the, the Christians, the believers, the early church, they, they stood out like bright shining lights. And one of the things that caused them to stand out was their unity. Like that was a witness of who Jesus was, the unity of the church. And so you'll see in every gospel, in every letter that Paul writes, he's constantly contending for the unity of the church, right? Because we're broken, fallible people. And we need to be reminded that we are one body in Christ. So that's how he starts. And then he talks about ministry gifts that are given to edify the body. Right now, I'm praying that you guys are edified so that we are spurred and compelled to be truth tellers in the spirit of love, truth, and grace. Let's look right here in verse 22. Verse 22. So then after this, after the verses we just read, Paul goes into some verses talking about our old man. He's like, guys, don't live anymore like you used to live. In the futility of your thinking and the darkness of your mind, like don't live like that anymore. Verse 22, he says, this was all in reference to your former manner of life. And I'm saying lay that old self aside, which is being corrupted in the lusts of deceit. Verse 23, and that you be renewed, be made new in the spirit of your mind. Think differently about these things. Have a change of mind. Have a paradigm shift about the way you think about truth telling. Verse 24, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Verse 25, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Do you see this? Like, look at how he capstones this. He begins by saying, live worthy of God. And then he says, be humble, be gentle, be patient, be kind, love one another because we're one body. 
Then he says, I'm going to give you ministry gifts to remind you that you're one body so that you need to live in humility, gentleness, patience, kindness, and love. And then he ends the entire thing saying, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you that's making you a new person. You're being made a new man and being made a new woman. Therefore, stop lying and speak the truth to one another in love. I mean, you'll see this theme throughout the entirety of the scripture, you guys. All right, let's just, let's talk some practicalities here. Last week, I made reference to this. So how do we speak the truth and love one to another? Talked a little bit about why it's important. How do we do this? Like if I did a poll right now, we'd have a lot of different examples, a lot of different stories, but I'm gonna break this down into a couple of categories. Number one, we have to evaluate why, why we're speaking the truth, why? Like if you're speaking the truth just because you're aggravated or frustrated, I don't think that's a really good reason. If you're speaking the truth to someone just to like get it off your chest, you ever had somebody do that to you? Hey, I just need to get some things off my chest, right? I used to have a guy that I was in ministry with and he would start staff meetings like this. I've got a bone to pick with you guys. Like that's how he would open it up. And I was like, I was like, yeah, right, exactly. Why are you, why are you having this conversation? I think the scriptures are very, very clear that one of the reasons why we take that risk and exert that courage to speak the truth is to see people restored into who God has called them to be, right? Hold your spot here in Ephesians and just go backwards a book and look at Galatians. You should probably only turn about one page. Galatians chapter six. Look at verse one in Galatians chapter six. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, right? And then it says this, but watch yourself, watch yourself, or you may be tempted. Tempted to be judgmental, tempted to feel that you're superior, and be careful because the very thing that you're pointing out, if you're not doing it in the right spirit, I think Paul is inadvertently telling us that we open up ourselves to become susceptible to the same thing, right? Be careful and how you call other people out. This is Jesus's classic commands on, hey, listen, before you start pointing out the little speck in your brother or sister's eye, do self-evaluation first. The motivation for truth-telling should always be to see someone restored. If they are caught in a web of sin or destruction, the heart is, God, I am yearning to see this person restored. Number two, I am yearning to see the relationship reconciled. So number one, my motivation is to see restoration. Number two is, God, I want to see reconciliation. There's brokenness, there's distance, there's unresolved conflict. There's something that has come in and that has hurt my friend or or has hurt me. And I want to see life enter into the relationship again. All right, those are, those, are, those are sound motivations. Why would I be willing to do this? Number three, the third reason why we'd be willing to do this is to see that there is greater effectiveness and greater partnership and greater unity 
for the cause of the mission of Christ. Like sometimes you got to have hard conversations, not because there's necessarily a, a relational rift. Sometimes you have to have hard conversations, not necessarily because someone's in sin. Sometimes you have to have hard conversations because you guys are not working as effectively as you could. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, number two, there's timing that needs to be considered. Timing. And what I mean by this is it's, it's a little twofold. Number one is there are some conversations that are just not the right time to be had because you don't have the relational capital. You haven't put the investments into their bank account to make that level of withdrawal. I had a situation that happened a few months ago when I was pretty vocal about some of the race issues that were going on. And I had somebody that I love, I respect, I admire. I've known this person for years. And this person reached out and, and said some very, very harsh, and to me, they were very hurtful things. And... You know, I love this when somebody says, you know, hey, I'm willing to hear what you have to say. And then they go on and they just say everything that they have to say. And then they essentially don't want to hear anything that you have to say about the issue. But, oh, yeah, I really want to hear what you have to say. Right. And so, you know, I sat on that. I prayed through it. Um, the natural inclination, obviously, is to just, you know, barrage someone with your ammunition. And um but I, but I recognize, thankfully, that that is not going to produce life and healing in the relationship. And so, again, I went back and reevaluated, like, what, what, what's going to be the best response here to see that there will be reconciliation in the relationship? And what I recognized was, is that over the course of, of, of the years, that the relational deposits mutually had been very, very weak. Like, just knowing somebody for 30 years doesn't mean that you've got capital in the bank account anymore, Right? And so my appeal was, I wrote this person, I said, listen, I, I feel like our relationship has just has been a little strained because of time and distance. And my appeal, before we start talking about cops and, and black lives and justice and America's history and all of these things that are so tricky, I said, I'm asking you right now, could we make some steps towards strengthening our friendship? And then I got really, really honest and talked about ways that, you know, I had been hurt in this relationship. And then I looked for ways that I possibly damaged this relationship. And I said, listen, this may or may not be right, but I think that there's things that I've done that have actually put walls up in your heart. I said, I, I repent for those things. Will you forgive me? And let us, let us repair the friendship. You, difficult conversations are made on the foundation of trust. This is one of the reasons why so much of the banter that's happening around social media is entirely pointless because they're not being made with people that you trust or people who trust you, right? You're not, you're not gonna get any traction. Like the greatest fruit is gonna come out of someone that you've done life and time and you've put, you put miles in the car with together and then you sit down and you look face to face and you guys have conversations, all right? So be careful when you're trying to just like correct someone that you don't have the right to correct them. Sometimes you gotta earn that, okay? Um, yeah, bro, I got loads of examples here, but most of them involve you guys, so I'm going to hold off on this. <laughs> jokes, jokes, half jokes. <laughs> okay, secondly, there's timing, right? So there's the, there's the amount of time that you have with someone, and then there's timing. What do I mean by that? 
Like not every time is a great time to have a hard conversation. When Christy and I first got married, um, I laugh at this. Uh, she doesn't. She's still working through this. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, we would, we would enter into conflict, resolution, and, um, you know, after a certain time at night, yeah, and for her, it's more like 8.30. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm coming alive at a certain time at light, man. I'm like, let's go, dude. I'm like, as the night goes on, I'm getting stronger and stronger, right? And you just see it in her face, man. And I'm just like, no, the Bible says. No, no, the Bible says don't let the sun go. She's like, the sun went down a long time ago, brother. Okay. <laughs> don't let the sun go down in your wrath. I mean, just such an ignorant, immature, you know, literal way of looking at that. And so, man, I would drag these conflicts out into like one and two in the morning. Bless her heart. I know. I'm like, no, we, we've not, there's no resolution here. There's no, so... And I have learned, thankfully, sometimes the best thing you can do for an argument is go to sleep. We're both tired. We're not thinking in our right mind. We're emotional. We're angry. We're upset. We're offended. And, and our physical man is affecting this. Sometimes we've gone to sleep and I've woke up and she's like, okay, I'm ready to talk. I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, 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 you know. Sometimes all you need is a little bit of rest in the tank to have those hard conversations, okay? Number two, it's not a really good time to have a hard conversation if you don't have time, if you're in a rush, I'll put it that way. You ever had someone who tried to bring something to you and you've got like five minutes, right? Or you're doing, you know, you're, you're trying to have a hard conversation while you're out the door. It is not fruitful, right? The best thing to do is to just hold on, bro, I'm giving you some great, great, man, premarital right here, you know, I'll charge you guys for this. <laughs> premarital counseling, man, I'm telling you. No, listen, there is a timing to bring up difficult things. It doesn't mean that you have to have an entire half a day, but like, I'm, you know, like a solid hour at least. And if you don't have that, you're, you're going to find yourself, I think, even more frustrated and probably exacerbating the problem, right? There is a timing. And, and listen, too, it's not just about your timing, right? Because some of you are like, hey, I'm ready. This, this, this works for me. This works for my schedule. I'm amped. I'm, I'm charged. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta shoot through this window while it's open. Sometimes the other person's not ready. And, that, and that's been hard for me. I shared with the guys at the men's retreat that, you know, in disciplining the kids and in correcting the kids, I learned over the course of time to sit down and ask them, like, hey, we're, we're going to have to have a hard conversation. Is your heart open or is your heart closed? And sometimes the kids just be like, my, man, my heart's closed right now. You know, and I could like pound through their heart, figuratively speaking, to try to, you know, I'll open your heart. I know how, you know. <laughs> or I can patiently, graciously wait and appeal with them until there is an openness. Otherwise, it's just going to be fruitful. They're not going to receive it. All right, okay, let's number three. Let's, let's talk about just mediums of sharing the truth. We talked about motivation should be done with the heart to see people restored and reconciled and to see greater effectiveness in our working relationship. We talked about timing, making sure that we have capital on someone's heart. Um, let's talk about just, just real, real practically. Guys, I don't think hard conversations should be done over text. Anybody ever had someone like try to confront you or drop the ball on you and, and they do it over a text or an email? 
Okay, and I'm email, like if, if, we have a, if we have a range here, you know, I think it starts with social media is the lowest. Like, don't confront someone on a public platform. You laugh. Oh, yeah, all the time. They're like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to put something on your public page. I've got a bone to pick with you publicly, right? Okay, next from there is a direct message. Okay. All right, text message, all right, and then email. Honestly, guys, if the heart, if, listen, think about this. If the heart really is restoration or reconciliation, why would you not do that face-to-face? And you know what I have found too? Particularly when it comes to like the battlefield of ideas. When you're reading someone's thoughts in a public space, you're not seeing their eyes. You're not seeing their facial expressions. You're not seeing their body posture. You're not hearing the tone of their voice. You're reading the tone of their voice into what it is that, that they have written, right? I have, I have, thankfully, I have saved so many hard conversations by just sitting down, listen, and before I unleash, I ask a question. I don't think I understood that. Can you help me understand? And then... I'm telling you guys, like eight to nine times out of 10, what I find out is, man, when I did that, I, I went through the hardest day of my life. What I found out was, is that they just faced some kind of tragedy. They just heard some kind of bad news, right? When I sat down and, and, and really inquired, what I found out is, you know, I am this way because of rejection or abuse in my past, right? And then I'll, before you know it, you start to realize, like, you don't need truth, you need love. You need grace, you need patience, you need tenderness, you need kindness, you need humility. Guys, in, in the like truth and love spectrum or whatever, you know, it, it's not an either or. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you guys are on the, on the truth side? I'm just curious, who are my truth people that are like, oh man, I have no problem telling you. Yeah, I, I know, Kristen, you're like, yeah, I will tell you the truth and then I will cut you with the truth, right? <laughs> It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. It really is. Like, I, I love people like that. I do too. Because, because that's me. That's me. Are you an Enneagram 8? No. Yeah, me too. All right? <laughs> like, 8s have no problem just, but somebody needs truth? Where? Like, bring it on. <laughs> like, I live for this. Right? So on the truth side of the spectrum, man, you know, we re- it's not an either or. It's not an either or dichotomy. It's a both and. How, how many guys are more on the grace side of things that you just let stuff slip and slip and slide and slide and slide and, oh, they'll figure it out. And, and then you guys are my volcano people, right? How, how, many of my, how many of my grace people, right, explode? Anybody ever exploded? Anybody ever like, yeah, come on, right? So it is, it is a both and. And how can we gracefully tell the truth? How can we not allow things just to slide and slide and slide? How can grace people move closer towards truth? How can truth people move closer towards grace so that we see restoration and reconciliation for the sake of Christ in the world, okay? Yeah. Guys, have conversations. Ask questions. Come into a meeting willing to listen and to understand. All right, Jonathan, come on up, man. Is that helpful?
You know, if we can do it with our friends and we can do it with our spouses and our children, we can do it with our coworkers and our roommates, we can do it with the world.